You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. Yep, I'm here. Aaron is here. And Tommy is here. This show is presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for Windows, call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and tell them we told you to call. Seriously, if you're thinking about new Windows... Give Window Nation a chance. I promise you will not be disappointed. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. Good morning to you, sir. You want to open up your windows today, don't you? <laughs> yeah. It's pretty nice out. Well, I have had the last few nights the really? uh, the windows open. Very nice. I like sleeping with fresh in fresh air. D- yeah. You do too, right? Yes, I do. But what about your wife? My wife doesn't like the cold air at no, night. No, she likes fresh air. Okay. Yeah. I, I would sleep with the windows open year-round. Unless... It got like where it did like six like, degrees. Yeah, or when it got like down that. to yeah. zero yeah. a week and a half ago, um, that would have been rough. But it's been nice the last few nights. Uh, but you know that doesn't necessarily guarantee sleep when you have teenagers <laughs> and young adults <laughs> as kids. Um, but anyway, um, I uh, there was some news I guess last night. Uh, there was some trades going on. A little bit. All right. A little bit of action. Let me let me give you a, a quick, you know, three minute take. Then you do the same, and then we can discuss. Is that acceptable to you? Yes, it is. Unless Let's... unless you'd like to go first, because this is your, your apparently maybe your area of expertise. You know, I was thinking about what you did on the podcast <laughs> the other day, and this this whole. Why don't you agree with me? No, don't not... you know why that I know what I'm talking about? That's what you did. You said to me, you said, why won't you agree with me? Yeah. I, I know did. about this. I, I, I did. You I, know, that's the that's the argument of people who don't know. No, that's not the argument. Yes, it is. Not, not when you know each other the way we know each other. There are occasions in the past where I have just sat back and said, you know what? I don't know as much as you do on this subject. And on this particular subject that we debated the other day that we're not going to go back right. down the same path today... I know more than you know. Oh, oh, really? Oh, I do. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah I, I absolutely when did you do. get the PhD in in in, in this? Uh, you know what? There is no PhD. I don't have any documentation. I don't have any certificate. You just have uh, what's in I your just, head. I just have what's in my head, okay. which I know is much more learned than <laughs> okay. what's in your head. There you go. When it comes to that topic, all right. I, I, let me let me just take a shot at this because the first thing I wanted to say is that Ted Leonsis. Um, it was nice that he was able to turn his attention away from his Capital One Arena sportsbook operation for a moment <laughs> uh, to focus on the basketball team that he owns. Um, Otto Porter to Chicago for Bobby Porter, Portis and, and Jabari Parker. Plus, they gave up a second-round pick, and then Markeith Morris went to New Orleans for Wesley Johnson, and the Wizards also gave up a second-round pick in the deal. If you didn't know the details of the two trades they made, it was a clear attempt by the Wizards to get below the luxury tax threshold, and clear cap space for the future. I hope, Tommy, it was an indication that Ted knows that his franchise was heading nowhere. Nowhere. Not the playoffs this year, where he said on T.O.P. last week, anything can happen. Yeah, I know. Except the the facts support that in the NBA playoffs, it's not an anything-can-happen NBA playoffs are not in anything can happen in the postseason sport. They're the opposite of that, in fact. Um, I hope this was an indication that Ted knows the team that he thought, the team that I thought, I'm putting myself into this category, 
um, thought would compete for not championships, all right? You need truly elite players in the NBA to compete for championships. The Wizards haven't had a top five player, and you pretty much have to have top five players or a player to compete for an NBA title in this sport, which is why anything can happen is the stupidest thing he has said um, in recent months in the postseason. They haven't even had top ten players. I mean, John Wall at his healthiest and playing his best at the end of the 2017 season, postseason, you know, he was pushing a top 10 player, um, top 15, definitely, uh, but you need top five players, and they haven't had that. So so the point that I was going to make here is I know that he thought that this thing was in a pretty good position that with Beal and Wall and Otto, um, that even though they may not, you know, ever legitimately compete for an NBA title – that they would be a team that would win 50 games there or abouts plus or minus five each year and, you know, get to a conference finals eventually and be in the playoffs every year. And that that was, you know, look, for 28 teams in the NBA, you know, those other 27 that aren't the Wizards, the other 27 of the 28, they're not competing for an NBA title either. Yeah. You know, that's not the way this league works. But the Wizards, even a year ago, Tommy, with John Wall missing half the season, they were a 43-win team and took the number one seed, Toronto, to six games with injuries throughout the postseason series. But this year's team really stinks. It stinks. It's right now one of the worst, if not the worst, defensive teams in the league. In fact, it's one of the worst defensive teams we've seen in a while. They gave up 50 in the first quarter last night. To Milwaukee. You know this, right? Oh, yeah. 85 in the first half. Yeah. 120 through three quarters. And with six minutes to go in the game, the Bucs were trending towards 160 (laughs) in a non-overtime game, in a regulation four-quarter game. My hope is, and I'm not convinced of it, um, is that they are in the process of thinking bigger about their about their roster, about really blowing it up. I don't know that yesterday was an indication of that. What yesterday was a clear indication was that they wanted to get below the luxury tax. And they right. wanted to clear a contract, an Otto Porter's contract, that, you know, the, he's a nice, sweet young man. He was never going to live up to that contract. What they do or don't do today is an indication of what their true thinking is. Will they deal Ariza? Will they deal Jeff Green? Will they deal Bradley Beal? I think our friend Ben Standig reported late last night or early this morning that they are not going to move Ariza, Green, or Beal. Now, I personally would be trying like hell to deal all three of them, not for nothing, not taking any deal back. You know, they've already dealt now Kelly Oubre and Otto Porter for basically... And for all intents and purposes, salary cap space. Yeah. Okay, I don't know that they could have done better, and I'll get to that in a moment, but they could have done better right now, but they could have done better in the offseason or earlier in the season. But if the Lakers or Spurs want Trevor Ariza, now, deal him. If you tell me I can get Josh Hart back for Ariza, I'm the, you know I'm the biggest Ariza fan. He's not going to be here when it matters, if it ever matters. He'll be for 34 next year. Right. So... I I'm, I hope today is another act, active day for them. Because if it isn't, then what we know what they were doing. And, and that is that Ted just didn't want to pay the luxury tax. And they realized, I think, I hope they finally realized, that Otto's a nice, sweet you know, young guy, but he's not a franchise max player. Now, on the trade specifically, you're going to hate this. 
Um, Ernie did okay. He did okay. Now it's the it's the arsonist and the fireman analogy that you you know that you launched that you created uh, five six years ago whenever it was. You know he created this mess. Now, if we find out that Portland was truly ready to deal a first for Porter, I would have preferred that deal over the Chicago deal. I'd like to see what else, and we probably won't really know unless somebody does some really good reporting. Um, I've been a fan of Bobby Portis. He's the guy that I wanted them to draft in 2015, if you recall. Um, I'm always a fan of the high-motor, highly competitive, tough guys that also have skill, which he does. I have no idea if they'll keep him. He'll be a restricted free agent after the season. Um, But, you know, they'll get 25 whatever games they have left to check him out. I really liked him in college. If if you recall, that was the guy that in 2015 I said, at their spot, I'll take Bobby Portis. Now, Parker, he's not going to be here next year. There's a team option for $20 No chance he's here. He's been injury prone. He couldn't guard me right now. All right, that's how bad he is defensively. You talk about a number two busting, you know, 2014 yeah. number two overall. But I like the trade because I wanted Porter's contract gone. Otto Porter was versatile. He could shoot it. He could defend, at least compared to his teammates. He was a good defender. Um, I wouldn't refer to Porter and never have uh, as a lockdown defender, but he could guard a little bit. You know, he was a a nice player who could produce numbers that the advanced stat geeks loved, and they'll highlight and swear by. But Otto Porter's competitive makeup wasn't tough enough for me. That's just my preference. I know he's had injuries. I'm not saying he wasn't a productive player, but Otto's a fourth or fifth starter in this league, or a solid sixth man off the bench. Nothing about that description that I just gave you equals max contract. I am personally glad he's gone. It got to the point where every time he took any kind of physical contact in a game, I thought he was going to cry. And it was just hard to watch because you know you need tougher competitors to actually win something. And that wasn't him. Good player and a good fourth, fifth, sixth piece. Not a top three piece. As far as as far as far Morris goes, you know, he is the guy that actually gave the team some of its toughness yes. in recent years. I actually thought that ultimately Morris, for the first rounder they gave up uh, to Phoenix, was worth it. They gave up a few other pieces. Dewan Blair, I forget who else. Was it Chris Humphreys in that deal? May have been. Um, but in some ways, Tommy, the indication that at least Ted realizes this year is a lost cause it may actually be more reflected in the Morris trade because the Porter deal was a contract deal. The Morris deal, you know, it was another chance to get below the luxury tax. I understand that. But he was on the verge of coming back, and if they really thought that this year was a playoff year, Morris may have helped out as much as Porter. Anyway, that brings me to this, okay? If they're moving on and if they continue to move on from this era, I do not want Ernie Grunfeld making the 2019 first-round selection for this franchise or the 2020 first-round selection or the 2021 selection. It's time for Ernie to go. Wow. I've told you in recent years that I'm okay if they move on from him. I'm not so tied to him. I've never thought what you and others have thought, that he's the worst general manager in the history of the NBA. It's I don't just, believe it's that. It's just his record shows it. I, that's I, all. No, his record doesn't even show that. But well, in Washington it does. Um, but I don't want Ernie. Tell me another general manager named El, not named Elgin Baylor 
who's had a worst uh, win-loss record uh, with, with a uh, you NBA know team. I'll concede the point. I'm just assuming that your numbers are right. Um, the NBA the NBA draft is a total guessing game. It is most of the time, a lot of the time, unless you've got a clear-cut, you know, transcendent player. Yeah, but at the you top. know, you seem to be pretty good at it. Uh, well, th- I'll grant you that. Thank you. I'm sure you'll argue with whatever I come up with here in a couple months. <laughs> I mean, you're um, the guy but... <laughs> who wanted uh, who wanted uh, Leonard uh, and Steph Curry. Um, I, I I get that it's a guessing game. I don't want him doing the guessing anymore. I don't. This is paramount now. If this team's going to be built on the upcoming drafts, and they don't have second rounders, by the way. <laughs> You know, in the next few drafts. Well, they they, tend to sell them anyway. Yeah, um, but they need someone else making the picks. I like Ernie personally. He's done a poor job mostly in the particular area of projecting young talent. He's never done a poor job with a lot of these trades, some of which he was forced to make because of a bad decision made by him in the first place. Yes. I understand that. Yes. But um, I, I don't want him... If Ted is so convinced that the draft is how you build a team, which I don't necessarily agree with, um, you have a couple of examples of it. You know, Oklahoma City created with three consecutive uh, picks, uh, you know, a a, a team that was almost over the top when they had Westbrook, Durant, and Harden, all drafted players. Right. Um, but, you know, when you look at these other championship teams, they're not from drafted players, players they drafted. I mean, Golden State is, you know, with Clay Thompson and Steph Curry but uh, and Draymond Green. Yeah. But, you know, Kevin Durant the last two years was not drafted by this yeah, particular team. Yeah, but they were a championship team yes, they before were. Durant Yes, they were. Arrived. So, uh, you, but you've got to really... And, and the, the Warriors, for 20 years, were the Wizards. Yes, they were. They were were. a terrible franchise. So if he wants to look at that as being the way to go, you know, you can debate whether or not that's the best way to go. But if he chooses that that's the best way to go, then he must choose to move on from Ernie Grunfeld. Can I go now? Yep. The draft is the only way this team is going to climb out of the, the grave that they're in. Uh, people talk about clearing salary cap space as if this is some sort of accomplishment that this franchise has never witnessed before. We've been through this. We have. And and what did we find out? That nobody worth anything wants to take that money. One of the reasons they signed Otto Porter was because they had this money they tried to attract free agents, and they couldn't attract the free agents they wanted. So they had to spend their money on somebody, so they did it on their guys. That was pretty much what they were limited to. We can't get anybody to come here to take out money like Sid Thrift and the Orioles. We must have Confederate money. Uh, so, Confederate money. So we might as well sign our guys. They're in that situation again so, because I, I think I – think, like, that was a couple years ago. I think the franchise is even even held in less esteem now than it was a couple years ago. Remember the incident earlier this year in the, in the three-way deal with Memphis where the Memphis GM basically came out without mentioning Ernie, uh, basically ripped them for, for the way the trade deal went down. They're a bigger embarrassment now than they've ever been. So it's going to be hard. Oh, they've ever been under Ernie. So it's going to be harder for them to attract free free agents to come here of note. So the salary cap money doesn't mean anything because now they don't have any players to sign uh, of of their own. They need to draft very well. It's the only way out for them. 
that they and and you're right that they that in order to show the rest of the league, in order to show agents, in order to show players that business is not going to be done as usual in Washington, they need a new GM to do that. It's a signal as much as anything that that you know if you come here, it's not going to be the same old Wizards. So I'm glad to hear you say that. It, and, and I mean, the only one that counts though is Ted. Well, well, Ted Leones has finally come to that conclusion. Well, Ted Leones has finally say, I mean, to me, eight years too late. But uh, in the eighth year of ownership, finally say, okay, I need to find a, gen- a new general manager to, to uh, rebuild this team. Because I went back and looked. I mean, this is, this is the one, this is the third one we've been through of these. There was the Antoine Jameson, Karan Butler, and then to, you know, the Gilbert Arenas debacle. But there was the dumping of them, okay? Then there was the dumping of the Nick Young, uh, JaVale McGee, McGee, Andre Blyde. That was the second one we went through. Right. Now this is the third one we've went through uh, under Ernie. Yeah, I, I would disagree that this is like the lowest point for Ernie. Um, the the blotch, you know, JaVale McGee, Nick Young, the pooping in shoes by Gilbert Arenas, all of that was rock bottom. They've actually been a competitive outfit here but I think for the last terms, few years. In terms of players and agents from the outside looking in, what they care about is can we trust this guy to build a team? Okay, that I, I don't know that it would, it would be that much different. You may be right there. I, I think what's interesting, and we've had this conversation a dozen times over the years, I don't know... We know why people don't want to come to Washington to play for the Redskins, okay? It's clear that there is a fear that they're so dysfunctional that they don't. if they've got better options, they're going to go elsewhere. You know, the Wizards and Washington, and I don't know why it's been so undesirable. It's not Ted and Ernie, uh, Oh, Tommy. it is Ernie. I don't think it's Ernie. Oh, it is. It's absolutely Ernie. Washington should be a destination think- location for young NBA players who uh, want to come play. Well, this is a great city. Look, there's, you know, yes. you, and, and and if if you're a young African American uh player, this would be a fabulous it's city a great to play. City. In. Now, you've got tax issues and you got weather issues that aren't favorable, but that hasn't deterred free agents from wanting to no, go to Boston no, that, or Philadelphia. That's why it, it it's obvious it's the organization and not the location. I think it's more than that. I I think what one of the things we may I don't think I, that it, that's the number one reason. I think players around the league have looked at John Wall and said, man, he's gifted athletically, and he's something else, you know, end-to-end when he's healthy, and he can do a lot of stuff, but it's as the lead dog, it, you're not getting over the hump with him. I think that that's been a part of it. That may I, be. I, I do. That, I, that may be. Look, I wrote a column in, in yesterday's paper after the Wall news broke saying, you know, People needed to wake up. The John Wall era was over before he ever tore his Achilles, his Achilles heel. And John Wall's career was going south before he ever suffered this injury. He was, he was, he, his personal issues were becoming a problem for the organization, a big problem for the organization. His play was erratic. He was not growing as a player. If anything, he was regressing what as a player. What personal issues are, are you referring to? Well, I mean, the, the, look at the beginning of the season. You had this whole debate between him and Stephen A. Smith about his party and lifestyle. Right. 
and how he was seen in clubs all, all the time. Uh, and he didn't deny that. He just said that's that's nobody's business but mine. You know that that that's if I I'm not I'm not a, a monk basically. I'll I'll you know live the way that I want to. But it became an issue. And I, I don't know about you, but but I heard stories from credible sources about issues that came up in practice. Yes. Ugly stories. Yeah, very ugly. No, you're you're right about all so, of this. So so I mean he's he was trending in the wrong direction for a guy who just signed a big contract. When you you know, you have guys who sign big contracts who sometimes will say, Well, there's a lot of pressure on me to show the right way to do things, to be the leader of this team to basically show that the money is not going to change me. He went in the opposite direction. You know what? I want to just defend him for one moment. Everything you say is true, and there are there were flaws there. You know, And you didn't even mention one of the biggest ones that we've heard over the years is that he just continually had issues with his weight and getting into shape before seasons started, which sometimes they believe, the team believes, perhaps led to some of these injuries. So, but at the same time, you know, John Wall wasn't a bad person. Like, he wasn't out doing awful things, getting into trouble. He just clearly let some of this stuff run away with itself yeah. and became less professional, perhaps. Yes. But, but John Wall was not a bad... You know, even to this day, like, Wall does a ton of charitable stuff. He Like, I, I don't want to kill him for being, like, this bad guy off the court, like having all these major problems... I will agree with you that he wasn't completely professional at various points, but the it's one your high, it's it's your most important and highest paid player, yeah, your team leader. That's true. You can't have that. But you know what's really interesting is that, you know, it, you say it was already over, and maybe missing half the games last year with the knees, and then we got His the third heel, knee operation and, in two years, and, and maybe the beginning, maybe we were seeing the the era end, if you if you want to call it that, and we will as as Wizards fans, we'll re we'll refer to this as the John Wall era because it wasn't a bust completely, but you know you're only a year and a half removed from when he really was becoming yes. an elite player. Yes, that seventh that going into going the the Celtic series, seven games? Yes. Well it would the, the Atlanta game six where they closed out Atlanta in the first round on the road when he scored seventeen of their final twenty points and went for forty two and eight and had a couple of like four or five steals in the game. That was one of the actually and I and I talked about it at the time and I remember I blogged about it Tommy it was a top five all-time Washington professional basketball postseason individual performance I not, agree. not the Celtics shot that he hit in game six to force game seven it was the game he had against the Hawks where you're like wow I agree it, but that that John Wall I mean that was before he signed this max contract and and some we've seen this happen occasionally. It's not well, he necessarily got the, he got the supermax opportunity off of the 2016-17 of yeah. season, right? And, yeah. and then things went where he it, became a legitimate third team All NBA yes. selection, which tells you top fifteen player. I agree. Things went in the have gone in the wrong direction it, since then. And you know the irony is that now Bradley Beal is their best player. Yeah, but and Bradley Beal is probably the team leader. But the irony of Beal is he was the one that couldn't stay healthy. Yeah, up until all of a sudden now he's staying more healthy. Yes, or healthier. And he was pretty young early in his career. He was a young player yeah. when he first came here. There's one more thing. Um, 
the Wizards just have blown it over the years. I've I've referred to, to the opportunity um, that they've had to capture market share, for the lack of, of a better description. You know, they had a chance to become much more relevant in the city, truly relevant. Didn't take advantage of it, really. You know, it wouldn't have taken much, Tommy, because, you know, you and I have both referred to the Wizards as this sleeping giant in a basketball city. A lot of you don't understand that. A lot of you that aren't from here or don't live close enough to the metro area don't understand that at its core, this is a basketball-obsessed city, and the professional basketball team's been so bad and, and so mediocre, there's always been this opportunity, I think we both felt, to really capture significant market share. I mean, you had Wall and Beal potentially on the rise, teams that were going to compete for Eastern Conference finals at least, you know, and... But Kevin, and, you and I have always disagreed on the long-term impact of the mediocrity and the ability to revive that interest. Well, all it would have taken is you one see, run into June. You see, to me, to me, the, the fan, it's, it's almost a situation like the Redskins. You've done too much damage to the fan base that you're going to have to show a lot more, a lot more than that. I mean, you had, you had them playing in the second round of the playoffs and you'd have 15,000 people showing up at the arena. You'd have a couple thousand empty seats. I know. When we got to that Boston series, which was not last year's postseason, the year before, we had TV ratings in the low 20s for game six and seven. We had we had a packed house you know, in, in those games. I, I know what you're saying, and I know it's hard sometimes for people. And part of what you have made the case for that makes total sense to me is they've essentially they alienated generations of young people who became fans of the sport but fans of other teams yes. and other players so they missed out on that but the NBA's rise in popularity also created this opportunity for them if they became you know a consistent winning I, team I agree with to that. really be a big deal in this city I agree with that I mean again here's what I and I've used this a number of times the Magic and Bird era came and went. And the Wizards were, well, they were the Bullets then. Yeah, and then they the were, Jordan era. And, and the Jordan and era. Then the, then the Shaq era. and Kobe era. Right, and then, then the LeBron I know, era. I know, I know. All these eras came and went with this team pretty much in the same place. You know? Never really capitalizing on any of it. Any of it. They 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 blew this opportunity. Look, some of it has to do with things they couldn't control. I mean, they've had their best players be injured a lot over the years. Um, they, you know, the coaching, the owning, the general managing has overstated, overrated what they had. Um, you know, I just, I, you know, I got excited about this opportunity of at least having legitimate basketball to get excited about. When the NBA playoffs started, it was fun. Like that first year with, you know, Wall in his first playoff series and Beal, you know, as a young player with Ariza and Nene. Remember the series oh, yeah. he had against the Bulls? And then, you know, they they pushed, you know, Indiana. Um, and then you got a second year of 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 you know into the into the conference semifinals. And then the Boston series, really, you had a game seven. You had a game seven to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, in Boston Garden, and you had a chance in that game that you know they they literally had the lead late in the third quarter in that game. Uh, but but here's the, here's the reality of it: the Wizards, like already for many of you listening to this, 
it's already been too much. They don't move the needle. You and I both have a sense. Everybody that's done what we've done and is doing, you know, on radio or whatever, has a general sense of what moves the needle and what doesn't. The Wizards don't move the needle, people. I love basketball. I love talking about it, talking about it. But I will tell you that when we've done too much of it on radio or on the podcast, it doesn't help. You know, it really doesn't. I, those of you that I love to talk to about basketball, I hear you, but there are 50 times, 50, I don't think it's an exaggeration, 50 times as many people in this town more interested in the NFL draft and NFL free agency than what the Wizards now, did yesterday. Now, now, don't you think that changes there in the NBA playoffs when we talk about yes, the NBA playoffs? Yes, because if you've got a winning, you know, after the And I'm the not NFL, talking about the Wizards. I'm just talking every, about the NBA playoffs, period. Well, I, I would just, I would, I would, uh, I would stretch that out to the other teams in town. That people, it's a bandwagon town if you've got a winner, whether it's the Caps or the Nats or the Wizards. Or, you know, some of the other things. People are obsessed with the NFL, even with all of the apathy. We will, and your station, your current station will, and our old station will, understand that more people are interested in you talking about the NFL free agency, upcoming free agency, and the NFL draft than talking about the NBA playoffs. Now, when the Caps are in the postseason... For, the, for that month or so, it is intense. When the Nats are in the postseason, even though it falls right in the middle of football season, it can be really good for, for, for us. The Wizards don't move the needle at all. In fact, I mean, they're dead to most of you right now. And they, they really are. I'll get, I, you and I will both get a ton of feedback saying, you, uh, couldn't you have at least talked about Todd McShay's 2.0 version of the <laughs> NFL mock draft yes. instead of this? Yes. So with that... I'm done. Okay. <laughs> but I did want to just bring this up. What is your take on this insane, frenetic, frenzied NBA trade deadline week and day, which is going to be today, leading up to the deadline later on this afternoon? Well, look at the pretty much personnel, personnel building in the NBA. Is, is, has become pretty chaotic because the players seem to have more power than than the t- than the owners and the general managers. And I think that throw. I'm not complaining about that. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that the whole system has become chaotic because sometimes you don't know who's in charge. And uh, I think front offices are trying to react out of fear sometimes uh, from some from certain players or trying to obtain certain players. And then part of part of the NBA's popularity and again, I'm not I'm not real I loved the NBA more than anything. And I loved basketball. I know you, I know you do. More than any sport and I'm down on both of them. And I think what you see now is the off the court stuff is more of an attraction sometimes than what happens on the court. And I don't know how healthy that is for a sport. That has to rely on the, the off-the-court drama, whether it's trades uh, or, or you know player movement, free agency, what's, what, who's sitting next to LeBron tonight on the bench. All that seems to be more important than the action on the court. Bothers me. It's, it, it's, it's not really healthy, bo- is it? I, I think... 
I this is a personal view, and I, I I my sense of it is is that most people probably don't agree with this. That that NBA fans are probably really enjoying all of this, but I think the NBA's got a serious problem with this. That's got to get fixed. I mean, you've had games here over the last few nights that have been majorly impacted by the discussion of trade. You know, the the Lakers got ripped the other night worse than any LeBron team's ever been beaten, and it had a lot to do with all of these young players wondering if they, this was their last game. Yeah, Wh- and, and whether or not LeBron liked them enough to keep them or, or <laughs> let know. them go. And did you see that LeBron went off on this this Harrison Barnes trade? And and he said, "Hold on, let me find the quote." Um, uh, so you know, it may not, but but part of this is partly it's what has helped the NBA rise. It's all this off the court stuff, all I, all this drama. I think that the free agency stuff in the off season is healthy for the league. It keeps it in the, you know, it keeps it in in the public eye for 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 fans, for sports fans. To me, and when you're in the middle of a season, I'm into the games. And I know that baseball's got a trade deadline. The NFL has a much less intense trade deadline. The NBA's is big. Um, but here's what LeBron said. LeBron, LeBron basically said, trading is a harsh business for all parties, but teams are not vilified for dealing players while players are vilified for asking for trades. First of all, that's not true. You know, there's there's too much sensitivity sometimes with with LeBron and with Kevin Durant. Did you see his? Oh yeah. Did, did you see yeah. his rant? I saw him after pull, the game? pull out the victim card. Pull out the victim card about uh, how he's he's like victimized by the media. Let's and he doesn't trust the media and all that. We have that. Let's play okay. that. This was Kevin Durant last night um, being asked uh, about why he hasn't been talking recently to the media. I have nothing to do with the Knicks. I don't know who traded Porzingis. They got nothing to do with me. I'm trying to play basketball. Y'all come here every day, ask me about free agency, ask my teammates, my coaches. You rile up the fans about it. Y'all let us play basketball. That's all I'm saying. And now when I want to talk to y'all, it's a problem with me. Come on, man. Grow up. Grow up. Yeah, you, grow up. Come on, bro. I come in here and go to work every day. I don't cause no problems. I play the right way. Well, I try to play the right way. I try to be the best player I can be every possession. What's the problem? What am I doing to y'all? So? Who are you? Why do I got to talk to you? Tell me. Does that is that going to help me do my job better? Nah, bro. I didn't feel like talking. Kevin, the uh, free agency thing really hadn't been that much of a discussion coming to you because we got it loud and clear, at least we, most of us should have, that it was off, off limits. Don't so go what's there. What's the problem now? No, just that you've been quiet and you're not usually quiet. You usually share your opinions and stuff. So everybody's like trying to figure out what's going on. And we're all getting questions from fans like, what's wrong with Kevin? I just tell him, he's playing okay, but he's not talking right now. I just don't trust none of y'all. Every time I say something, it gets twisted up and thrown out in so many different publications try to tear me down with my words that I say. So when I don't say nothing, it's a problem. I just want to play ball. I want to go to the gym and go home. That's all. Is that a problem? All right, then. Yeah, I mean, how do you, how how are you playing? How's the team playing in the last I, couple weeks? I'm done. You know you don't care about that. I just asked you. 
<laughs> when you hear this, the the ending is is the is the worst part. When he talks about y'all just twist my words and, and use my words against me, you know, you you can't just make that kind of generic comment and not have something to back it up. And these guys never have anything to back it up. You know, this is somebody whispering in there. One of their one of his handlers or friends whispering in his ear, telling him that the media is doing this to him. And he just doesn't play basketball and go home. He sells product. He does a lot of things besides play basketball because of his image and what fans think of him. This comes with the territory. So, I mean, I didn't have as big a problem with, like, the whole diatribe, but with the, uh, with the whole thing about, you know, you all twist my words. Well, how? How? Show me how. You know, I mean, sh- tell me where that happened and what that has to do with me asking you about how the team is playing. He's really sensitive. I mean, you know, you only have to go back to the fact that he set up a fake Twitter account to defend himself in social media. He's really, really a sensitive guy. Um, and everything you said is true. There is a there is a responsibility when you play and, and you're a star and you make as much money as you make um, to uh, to communicate. I, a lot of you don't like to hear that, but that comes with the territory. And here's the other part that comes with the territory. If you're going to continue to be available as a potential free agent, unrestricted free agent, year by year, people are going to ask you about it. You know, if he if he were under a long term deal, there'd be no discussion about the Knicks clearing cap space for for Kevin Durant. You know, and and so he, that comes with the territory of 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 basically being compensated the way he's been compensated, not only in the total amount but in contractual structure. You know, in being available for this conversation point. every year, so and, he, he's and, just a very, very sensitive to criticism player. He's he, also he, a great player. Yes, he is. But he's he he also plays on one of the most now high profile sports franchises in the world. That's right. He could have stayed in Oklahoma City. Yes, great if he point. wanted to hide from the media, but now he plays on a worldwide. Sports franchise. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I mean, I he is who he is. I mean, he's a very sensitive to criticism, sensitive to his media responsibilities kind of person. He's probably not going to change that much. So the reaction isn't overly strange, but it, it would be nice. You, you always want someone like him to have somebody who has his ear to be able to explain to him why people are asking these questions, why people are talking about what they're talking about, and why it is his responsibility to sit there and answer the questions as best as he can. He doesn't have to be, you know what, Tommy, all you got to do is show up. You know, yeah. all you got to do is, to, you know, do your best to answer the questions and you can, you can finesse the answers. You, well, that's what you most can, of these guys don't understand. Yeah. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. They, they, but they never get that. They never get that. They they never understand that it wouldn't take much to have everybody eating out of your hand. Right. You know? Um, but meantime, back to what started this, the LeBron thing. I just found the quote. Um, Harrison Barnes got traded during the game. 
look, this is the this is the league in a CBA issue. This isn't uh, this isn't a a media issue or a a, a team uh, franchise issue. But he says so. Quote. So let me guess. This is cool because they had to do what was best for the franchise, right? Traded this man while he was literally playing in the game and had zero idea. He goes, I'm not knocking who traded him because it's a business and you have to do what you feel is best, but I just want this narrative to start to really change and not when a player wants to be traded or leaves a franchise that he's selfish or ungrateful, but that when you trade him as a franchise, release him or waive him, that it's best for them. I'm okay with both, honestly, truly am just calling, you know, a spade a spade is basically what he said. So um, so so when LeBron owns an NBA team, he'll have that same position, I'm sure. I don't know. I, I you know, this whole week has been I don't think it I don't think most of you agree. I don't really care. I don't like it at all. I don't like these games being compromised. These games for the last week in a lot of cities have been compromised. You're talking about an important part of the schedule. I know. And it's just too much. And I'm rooting for Anthony Davis not to get traded to the Lakers today. I, I would love it to see the Lakers in their effort to once again ensure that LeBron James has a legitimate chance to win a conference championship you know, LeBron went to L.A. There was no guarantee he was going to end up, end up with Anthony Davis. Right. There was no guarantee he was going to end up with another, you know, massive superstar to play side-by-side. Side. He wanted to go to L.A. If they don't get Anthony Davis, man, I mean, what's is he going to pout the rest of the way this well, year? Well, since his agent is Anthony Davis' agent, yeah, yeah he well, will pout. Yeah, but the Pelicans are not going to take just any deal. And the Lakers apparently aren't going to make, you know, a, a ridiculous deal. I hope he doesn't get dealt today. So do I. I really do. I hope he ends up in free agency. And if he ends up signing with the Lakers next year, that's fine. But you know what it will ensure? I don't know that Anthony Davis with the Lakers would have given LeBron and the Lakers and Anthony Davis much of a chance of beating Golden State in the best of seven. Anyway, I don't think it would have happened. But it will ensure that LeBron's streak of getting to the NBA Finals is over. Yeah. Yes, it will. But he went out west. That's right. There's no guarantee he was getting Anthony Davis. And it just has really, all of it, all of this talk, all of this discussion has just, it's like these games haven't mattered for a week. Well, again, it, it, it's its illustrative of what, what's happened to the NBA in that, uh, you know, it's the, for, look, I know this is a cliche, but uh, it's Kardashian-like coverage of a sport more than any other sport. There's not, there's not any other sports are even close when it comes to the drama that dictates the NBA. But you know what, Tommy, there was always a trade deadline, but it never became what it's become over the last now nine, 10 years, ever since LeBron started the trend of players essentially, you know, banding together to create super teams. Right. In Miami, in Miami. Once that happened now, you know, whether it's free agency or whether, via the trade and trade deadline, you know, players are trying to dictate where they end up. And look, it it's allowed. You know, there's nothing preventing them from doing that. I don't begrudge them for trying to do that, but it does really take away from the games themselves. And someone might say, well, who cares about game number 55 in, you know, early February? Uh, that's fair. That's fair. This probably provides much more entertainment and more eyeballs 
for the league at this point on the calendar yeah. than, yes, it does. than the actual Probably games does. themselves. I'm just telling you my personal preferences. I like the games. And my team over the years hasn't been much involved in these, <laughs> in these blockbuster deals. And even last night's deal really wasn't what I would call a blockbuster, even though netting that out one more time, I actually think they did okay. I hope there's more to come today, but I have a feeling there won't be. Uh, we are going to talk to Scott Van Pelt here in a moment. We'll get to the Maryland game last night with him and some of the uh, recruiting news um, and get his thoughts on the NBA trade deadline uh, as well. But first, real quickly about Window Nation. Uh, Harley and Aaron are, are, are two of the best entrepreneurs I've ever met. They're smart. They've got a really good company, a customer-focused company. They take good care of their customers. Um, it starts with an easy call from you to Window Nation, 866-90-NATION, or go to windownation.com and schedule an appointment for them to come out uh, free of charge and look at your window situation. They'll tell you what you need or don't need, and they'll give you a price for it, and then you can make the decision. Now, right now, smart shoppers know that the best deals are always in the off-season. You don't buy skis or a snowblower uh, in, in the fall leading up to the winter. You'll pay top dollar doing it that way. You buy them in the summer. And Window Nation understands this, and they're offering an amazing deal right now. If you buy two windows, you'll get two free, and you'll get 0% financing for five full years. Buy four windows, get four free. Buy eight, get eight free. There is no limit. Plus, if you call by the end of day Sunday and you purchase a house of windows, they will pay your heating bill until your new windows are installed. So you'll save thousands of dollars. Window Nation, by the way, they come out. It's not taking your home over when they uh, do these installs. They do it room by room uh, to try to cause as little disturbance as possible. Plus, they're paying your heating bill in the process. Window Nation needs to keep the factory busy and their installers busy as well during the slower months, which is why this offer exists now. Buy in the off-season, pay the lowest price of the year, guaranteed. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. You'll get two free windows for every two you buy. There is no limit. Plus, 0% financing for five full years. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com and tell them that I sent you. All right, let's bring in Scott Van Pelt for his weekly appearance uh, on the show. And we have not yet talked about Maryland's win over Nebraska last night, Tommy. But um, while all the trade deadline stuff, all the, the wizard stuff was going on, I'll be honest with you, I was not really that <laughs> interested in that because Maryland needed a win and they got one at Nebraska uh, last night. Um, with Bruno Fernando and Jalen Smith, Stick Smith, combining for 31 points, 30 rebounds, five block shots in the game. Uh, that was a big win last night, a must-have, even though Nebraska's really struggling. What would you think of it? Um, that just everything you said, I mean, it's, it's, it was ugly. Um, I mean, Nebraska shot 21%. They were horrendous. Uh, a lot of that was Maryland guarded well, um, but the wheels have fallen off that bus. But Maryland did exactly what you got to go do. And, and it's interesting now, Kevin, I think I'm just thinking as I'm trying to speak here, I believe they won four road games this year by double digits, Rutgers, Ohio state, Minnesota, and now Nebraska. And, None of those are necessarily, you know, eye-popping wins, but double-digit road wins in league play don't happen a ton, and that's another one. And now they get a weekend off to get ready for what is now a huge game against Purdue, and they owe Purdue. Um, They've lost some close ones to Purdue 
Um, they, they've got Carson Edwards, who's one of the best players in the Big Ten, one of the best players in the country. So I hope Tuesday night the place is, is, is packed out and ready to roll because that's a that's a big, big game. And um, last night was, you know, workmanlike, and, and it was exactly what they, uh, you know, just needed to get, another, another uh, solid road win. Um, the, uh, you know, the truth is, is your, your Minnesota was, was horrible. Um, uh, Minnesota, Nebraska was horrible shooting the ball, and Maryland's defense was exceptional. It really was. Maryland didn't play very well offensively either, but they did no. do something last night that I have wanted them to do. We've had this conversation many push times. The ball. They really did attempt to push the pace last night, which I it, – it's the first time where it was noticeable that they were actually – like the outlet pass to Cowan didn't come underneath the other team's basket, you know, where it was handed from Bruno to Cowan. They were looking up court – uh, trying to push pace. Morcel was clearly trying to p- uh, push pace early on, and he struggled to finish a couple of times. But I still think that that's that that is how they will be over a you know hopefully a two week plus run in the NCAA tournament, m- the most dangerous and the least vulnerable. Um, so I I, en- yeah, I, 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 I enjoyed that part of it last night, even though they weren't so efficient as as a fast break team. Um, but they they really seemed to I don't know maybe it was an emphasis last night. Uh, nobody asked him about that because I watched his press conference last night. What did you think of the Bruno Fernando uh, Borkhart play? Which I'm very surprised, given all that we see in college basketball games when it comes to reviewing plays, was not reviewed. Yeah, uh, one thing on the pace, just real quick, because it was I just you and have made this to me when we've talked about games and, and I agree I wish they did it more particularly with Cowan because he's so fast and there was one particular where Cowan got it and it ended up being an alley-oop to Jalen Smith and I just I literally thought of you and laughed when they did it because I thought you you are exactly right they need to do more of that um as for Bruno um and, and I didn't unfortunately I wasn't able to see the game live um I taped it and and so I was I was uh I ended up finding out the results, so then naturally I started digging around to see what would happen. And, then, and the first thing I ended up seeing on Twitter was Andy Katz with this tweet, and I'm like, wow, I guess Bruno assaulted a human, the way Katz tweeted about it. Oh, really? I and didn't then, see his tweet. Well, I mean, it was just like, you know, I, I'm I'm being dramatic. It, it wasn't that bad, but it was like, it, it made me think, uh-oh, what happened? And then I immediately saw Dustin Clark, our friend, former assistant coach, that was like, come on, Andy, I, you know I respect you, but the guy Borchard or had kind of locked his legs up, whatever. Here, here's what I saw when I watched it back. He, Bruno's foot comes down the guy's chest. There's no question. But it looked to me like he stopped it. If Bruno Fernando tried to stomp on the kid's chest, the kid would be dead. I mean, he's in the, Bruno's an enormous human being. And he, his, where he, 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 he did the step over with the Iverson thing. I, I mean, I don't know that if they reviewed it, I don't know. I don't know what they would have done. Um, it, it doesn't. It, it, what's the word? Optically, that's what we say now. Just we can't just say that's what it looked like. It looked. It didn't look great. The optics yeah. weren't great. But I, I don't think it, it was some awful thing. Yeah, I mean, so for those that didn't see it last night, I'm going to give a little context to it because maybe when you were, you know, going through it quickly on. DVR, um, you perhaps missed part of what was the setup for this, which was, I thought, a horrible call 
on this kid uh, for Nebraska, Borkhart, taking a charge on Jalen Smith, which I thought was a clear block and should have been a three-point play, and Turgeon went nuts. So Turgeon did a good job of trying to buy the next call or two off of what was a, a pretty bad call about two minutes earlier. Bruno Fernando, yeah, who, Tommy, Tommy, I know you haven't watched a lot of Maryland basketball. He is your type oh, of player. Oh, no, I've, see, I've seen enough. Yeah. I mean, I know he is. In he, fact, I'm going to the Purdue game Tuesday night. Oh, did you get a good seat? Well, I'm, I'm got Par- press credentials. Parking? Uh, yeah. Okay, good. I just want to make sure you're taking care of it. Relax. Um, the, well, you complain <laughs> a lot of times about the parking situation and the various uh, credentials <laughs> you, you know, get. I've gotten this far sure without, okay. without you watching out well, for I've, me. Well, you know, I've tried to help you, but you don't really help yourself in a lot of these cases. But Bruno Fernando, Bruno Fernando caught it on the post, and there was a flop by the defender, and then he just dunked it hard on him. And when he came down, I saw, I saw, I mean, it was all over social media. When he came down, there was no doubt that the right foot does stomp the kid's chest. I don't think it yep. was intentional. And to Scott's point, if he had really gone after him, you know, Leitner style from way back, um, he'd have hurt him. But the other thing that people missed, I think a lot of people missed, was this kid was using his legs to grab Bruno's legs, too, which is why he ended up stepping over him. Anyway, I don't think there's anything that can be done about it. I just was shocked in the moment with all of the reviews and all of the going to you know, the table to look at plays that they didn't even go to look at that play, um, which was crazy to me. But it was a good win for them. I... I, I Nebraska was desperate. Nebraska's got players. I know they were missing Isaiah Copeland, who they lost, but I think they've got two pros on their team. I think Palmer and I think Roby are both pros. Yeah, but they—they're. It was interesting. That building is really, really good. Like one of the most underrated venues in the in the Big Ten. But the losses have have mounted. It, the building was quiet last night. It wasn't packed. And they couldn't make a shot. And it's interesting, like the, the the metrics and the analytics of sport are so interesting now. They've got a huge blind spot for Nebraska. They, the numbers love them, and they don't take into account that one of their better players is now out for the year with a knee injury. So Nebraska's favorite, and I, I was I was mortified by that. <laughs> Me too. But I mean, I was convinced this means bad things. But 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 the numbers don't quantify. And you and I always complain about this is is the human element and. That looked like a, a group was out of gas, and you know they couldn't buy a shot. The building had no energy, and you know it was hardly a thing of beauty. But so be it, man. All all Maryland wanted yesterday was a win in Lincoln, to take the weekend off, and hunker down and get ready for Purdue Tuesday. And they got all that. So I wanted away. I wanted to mention something um, that that Dustin Clark, good friend of yours and and mine, former assistant for Turgeon, who is now living in Texas and and working in a completely different industry, but. You know, he, I, I talked to him the other day, and he said, you know, you guys, you and, and Scott and all the guys that are diehard, you know, Maryland guys, you know, whatever happens in March happens in March, but you really have to appreciate Bruno Fernando. He's as good a big man as there is in college basketball, period. He's a throwback, and he is apparently a great kid. You know, smart, interesting, uh, great teammate, the whole thing. His development in one year – is as as significant as great as we've seen any Maryland player grow in one season under Turgeon. Yeah, and let me and let me say one thing. You you hit the key words with the last two words you said under Turgeon. Mark gets ripped a lot, and fans in the area have you know th- th- there's frustration about oh wh- 
where they've gone and this and that, and how players developed. Well, that somehow somehow Kevin Herter in two years got to number two, the, the, the top, a top 20 pick, and he worked with Turge last spring. And Turge and Bruno were in the gym after the season um, every morning in advance of the combine to help him try to get ready for, for that. And thankfully, Bruno came back. And look, Mark would be the first to tell you all the credit goes to the young man because he's worked his butt off. But Mark's, Mark was, was with him help, trying to help the process. And so you've seen a guy clearly develop into what's going to be a top uh, a first-round pick in the spring. And, and I'm with you. Look, he's, he's a blast to watch. There's, there's a ton of energy. He's the heart and soul of the group. And so, you know, I just hope that we don't deal with some crazy call from the Big Ten where they're like, oh, yeah, you know, you're not going to have him for Purdue because that well, that would be a catastrophe. No, I don't think that's going to happen. I think there's been enough. I don't think so either. Yeah, I don't think so. But Purdue, so Tommy, you're going to go to the Purdue game. And this is right now the biggest home game of the year. They'll yeah. play Michigan on March 3rd. Right. And that potentially would be the, an even bigger game. But um, Purdue on Tuesday night. I hate it. I hate it that it's a 6:30 start. You know it's going to kill it, and God forbid because bad weather is in the forecast for Monday and Tuesday too. But yeah, at you're least warm rain. Uh, rain. What? Oh, really? You're, you're so convinced of it. All right. Well, if it's rain, that's fine. But you know what? We don't even our our fans don't come out when it's raining. <laughs> so that's always an issue. But yeah. at least the students will will be there um, for this one. Yep. Uh, yep. I do want to get your take on what happened with Maryland football recruiting here um, in a moment. But while we're talking basketball, Tommy and I just had a conversation about just the insanity of the last week in the NBA with the trade deadline, you know, looming later on this afternoon. And I don't like it, but I, I know I'm probably in the minority, but I, it's compromised games. Um, it's it, the games have become, and, and maybe early February games don't matter anyway, that this is much more entertaining to, to some, uh, I just don't, uh, for whatever reason, I just don't like this, this whole last week with Anthony Davis wanting out Kyrie Irving, yeah. Ir- Kyrie Irving suggesting that he might want out to me. It's just off putting. What is your reaction? I couldn't agree more, and, and and this this could just be fellas, just just three old guys, you yeah. know, yelling at clouds or whatever. But I'm so sick of this. Um, I don't even know how to put it. It's, it's almost like a cottage industry within an industry, where the only thing that matters is the future. The only thing that can be interesting is July the first. Like, Kevin Durant plays for the world champions right now. They won a game last night against a decent San Antonio team by a billion, didn't they? Yeah. I haven't like, even talked like about what they did. They, to they had 42 and, and, assists and it, and it, in the game. 42. Uh, no one, and no one gives a shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, no one, right. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Yes, so you like, are. No, but no one cares. No one cares. Right. Because all anyone wants to talk about is that Kevin Durant's mad to, because people are suggesting that he might go somewhere, which, by the way, he might. But, but this is what we do. It's February the 6th. Seventh, and we we're talking about July the first, and hey, the Knicks have cap space. Ooh, and now the Clippers have cap space. Well, great. There's four players, five players, and you're and only that means there's only maybe one or two teams that are going to get them. Three teams, maybe four at the most. Bobby Marks that works with us at ESPN. He's excellent, awesome guy. Excellent, and he oh he's well he's brilliant. He's got context because he's lived it, and and he told us. And just a great story, David. He's like, yeah, how about us in 2010? You know, we had cap space. You know what we got? We got Anthony Morrow, <laughs> uh, Oliver, uh, 
somebody named Jodas something and like and and Jordan Farmar. He said we called it the law firm. <laughs> That's what they got. We call, he said we got a law firm and I got fired. You know, that because teams do this, they convince themselves that they're going to get these players and like Anthony Davis, like we're supposed to appreciate like I read these stories oh people should respect that this player wants something different well they you agreed to do this you paid 25 million dollars and you're a free agent next year not this year not next year and and, and so you're just going to say well I, can, I want to go play for the Lakers and then LeBron James agent and and the Lakers are just going to just run the like take over this storyline and, and a team's best players just like going to say I'm not going to play well if I'm the Pelicans I'm like no I'm not trading with you I'm waiting until the summer and then it, people say oh well, the Lakers aren't dealing in good faith they have, they have no obligation to the Lakers just say pound sand we're not trading you our best player I, obviously I'm, I'm animated here I'm just I'm sick of this I'm sick of this and, and by the way 95% of the teams that sell you on the future and we're going to save money and we're going to try to get free agents and we're going to be good then we'll never win and even if they do, they won't win ever. Yeah. Like 10 teams have won an NBA title since 1980. Yeah. 10. The rest of them are just kidding themselves and charging you a charging thousand bucks to sit in the front row to see a bunch of guys that don't want to play there and are just waiting until July 1st or next July 1st so they can go play somewhere else. And, and it's like the season is this inconvenience for the offseason. It, it's, it's interesting and it's content, but it is exhausting and it's just it's nonsense. Like Adam Silver has a, a, the most – interesting league in terms of social media it never ends there's all these petty things guys are all very willing participants in it so that's good but you got to worry about your actual on the floor content and i'm totally with you that this this um negates it it it, it, it neuters it i'm not sure you have to worry so much about the on the court content i mean i would argue that the on the court content has suffered dramatically by the way the game is played now compared to what it was uh, years ago. Uh, and what has driven the rise of the NBA, if you look at television today and you look at what dominates programming for a lot of networks, it's reality TV. It's manufactured yeah. drama. And that's yeah. what you're talking about. You're talking about manufactured <clears throat> drama for a generation that thrives on it. Well, that's why he started totally. the conversation saying it's probably yeah. about three older dudes, which well, I... But, 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 yeah. the, but I mean, the, the culture that has given rise to the NBA is exactly the culture we're railing against. I... Yeah, well, you're, everything you said is, is so well put, Tommy, because, but, but, and that's why I'm careful to say... It, for what you do and, and what I do, it is content that, that – and we're in the content business. So it certainly gives us things to talk about if you're, if you're doing drive-time radio or if you're doing, like, the morning TV where we just talk about stuff. Like, it's, it, is, it is fodder for the machine. There's no question. So The one um, thing Tommy I mean, just said that, that I think I, I would debate with you and we have for many years is the style of basketball, which you hate, where Steph Curry's just shooting it, that's been I hate a that? bit. That's no, been he's a big talking part to of me. No, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking, talking to, to Tommy. That's I'm, been, I'm going to talk about the glorified horse that, that has, the NBA is that has fueled the rise in popularity of the game. Yeah, because you don't need you don't you don't need many brains to figure out 
how to watch a basketball game well, you when do. all you, you do is it. shoot the ball. <laughs> all you do is shoot it. That's his big thing. All Steph Curry does is shoot it. He's the greatest shooter ball handler in one body in the history of the game. You should appreciate it more. But back to something um, you, you said, Scott, about Anthony Davis and the fact that, you know, he does. He's got he's got more contract left. He made a commitment. And and to, to get out of that commitment and to create this incredible, you know, uh, one-week run of news is just, I can't stand it. And I, I said to Tommy 20 minutes ago, I'm praying that there's no deal. I hope LeBron and the Lakers get stuck with no Anthony Davis right now, no Western Conference Finals, <clears throat> ends the streak for LeBron getting to the finals. And and th- by the way, they have sort of now, you know, Le- LeBron's injury has has been a part of that too, but they've sabotaged themselves with all of this discussion. Their young players oh, yeah. have had no idea whether or not they're coming or going one night to the next. And that's why they got beat by 42 the other night. I I um yeah. Go ahead. The image of him on the bench, by the way, Kevin, just like oh. I mean, it, 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 it's the image of him of LeBron on, on one end of the bench, sort of by himself. And this, by the way, is after he sat out Saturday night's game on ABC against, against the Warriors. For, quote load management, and then they're getting their ass kicked by forty, and he's playing in that game. And it's like there's so much power. There's so many power moves made by LeBron's. You know, team and, and clutch and his agent, where they just want to flex their muscles and let the league know, hey, we'll do what we want. Maybe we'll sit out your TV game, uh, but and then they go out and get beat by 42. And all these young guys are like, I think that the idea of playing with LeBron, like they, the kids love it. And then guess what? Maybe maybe he didn't want to play with you, and then you're you're just an asset to be moved. And then these kids that are 21, 22 years old are looking around, going, man, this sucks. I didn't want to do. I don't want to. I don't want to do this. It's it's crazy. It is really really amazing. Like this last week and a half, and you know New York's happy they moved Porzingis and they got cap space. And guess what? Maybe they do get Kyrie and Durant. Maybe they do. And then maybe the Knicks for the first time in fifty years can actually matter. But if they don't, then they're just going to be you know interesting and talked about only because they play in New York City and they can still be a garbage team. I hope they're not. As, a, like as an aside, as an aside. Anyone who puts their team in the hands of Kyrie Irving deserves what they get. Well, I was just going to say that if Kyrie Irving ends up signing in New York, what a loser. Yes. I mean, seriously, what a complete and utter loser this guy is to, you know, claim that he needs to be on his own where he can go win without LeBron and he ends up in one of the, if not the single best basketball city in the league. And now he wants out as they've basically tried to build around him. I, I, you know, have at it. That's the stuff that drives me nuts. I'd like to see some of these players stay for at least, you know, more than a cup of coffee. And in Kyrie's case, that would be as bad a look for any player from my perspective. I'm sure not from a 20-somethings perspective, but that would be one of the worst give-up loser looks of all time. I think that even the well, I mean, and maybe the youngsters don't care. And this is back to the old guys yelling at clouds. But but if I would think even a young, I, I think even a twenty-something would be able to go. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You didn't want to play with the best player of the generation in LeBron and Cleveland anymore, so you could go do your own thing. But then maybe you're going to go team up with Kevin Durant because if you do, by the way, he's better than you. Durant's better than you. Um, and then, like, and we haven't even mentioned Durant last night. Like, why do I have to talk to you? Like, I, I get the frustration. He and Kevin's a thoughtful guy and a sensitive guy, and I, I can appreciate all of that. But like, part of what part of what the gig is is dealing with with us. That's just part of it. 
Like, why do I have to talk to you? Well, I mean, in a way you don't, but you kind of do. I don't know. It's the whole, everybody's, everybody's sideways right now. It's like the whole world's crazy and nobody wants to do it for, unless it's just what they want. Like I, I, the thing about this, and I know we're, I'm rambling here and we're going, we're going on, but like bad, good players have been on bad teams forever. Yeah. That's just how it's going forever. This isn't new. Right. But if you're one of those perceived top three, top four, top five players, uh, you can try to work your way into a championship, into a ring. We, we, we spent time talking about the Kevin Durant thing, and everything you just said is exactly what we said. Not to mention the fact that he's just he's a proven, highly sensitive personality. I mean, he had a fake Twitter account to defend himself for crying out loud. Uh, And if he didn't want all of this attention, he should have stayed in Oklahoma City. And if he didn't want all of this attention, he should be under a contract that's longer term than, you know, a year, which allows him to be, you know, speculated about in terms of his future (laughs) on a year-to-year basis. You know who I'm rooting for this year more than ever, and I know you know I've rooted for him anyway all along, but I am so rooting for the Oklahoma City Thunder this year. A, a guy that has stayed in this one place. And now, when I watch them, and they're, you know what? There's not a lot of trade rumors involving them. And they've won like nine out of the last ten games and beaten some good teams. Yep. And even the game they they lost, the uh, Super Bowl Sunday game, which actually was a terrific game. Um, but I think th- that Paul George is like the perfect fit. It's the first guy he's truly trusted. They can't beat Golden State. I understand that in a best of seven. But God, I hope they beat the Lakers or beat somebody else to get there. Beat, you know, uh, Denver or anybody else to get there. I'd love to see the guy that tries harder than anybody else and has never dictated out or never wanted out of of probably one of the worst places to live. I'm guessing <laughs> of all of these NBA cities. No offense. Um, to Oklahoma City. Yeah, no, no offense, Oklahoma City, <laughs> to being called the worst place to live. Well, I'm no sh- offense. I'm sure. All due respect. I'm sure it's lovely. Um, but you know yeah. what I mean. He's. I. I do. This this guy's a warrior. He's he. I don't know if he'll get through, and they can't beat Golden State. So what's the point? But I Probably hope not. I, but I hope I get but to George, watch him George for a series State. or two, huh? But but George wanted to go to L.A. He went there, and then he saw it for a year, and he decided to stay. So he he's the one dude that stuck around. So I I, I understand the uh, the sentiment behind it, and they are playing great basketball. But I mean, I don't know. It's it's the league is the league is amazing at the moment. It really is, and not in a great way. All right, give me two minutes on on uh, on Mike Loxley and signing day, and 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 basically getting that quarterback to uh, to to pick Maryland over Florida State. I don't know a ton about who they got uh, other than that. I mean, they were able to flip a couple of local kids. Um, and the 2020 class, uh, Mike told me, is one of the best that it's been in, in a decade. And that's where you'll see the real impact and his real juice. Um, but the, just the ability to come in late and, and, and get some guys, to flip some guys, I think where you'll also see the impact is they're, they're far from finished. I mean, the, the transfer portal and the possibility to bring some guys back. They've already brought, you know, um, a couple of kids back uh, from um, Ohio State and uh, the, the linebacker from Good Counsel right. um, and uh, the Savoy, the wide receiver uh, that, that from Virginia Tech that's come. There'll, there'll be a bunch of transfers. I mean, 
he the, the class is like in the 80s and, and now it's like in the, in the 50s which is obviously not what you want but he'll he'll have it i'd be shocked if he didn't have a top 20 class in 2020 like his juice in the area is 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 unrivaled and um you know just being able to get a kid that at the 11th hour was in florida state or maryland and florida state really needed somebody and he chose he chose to come with locks i mean that's that's what we're talking about with him. And it's a need, too. It's a need position for them next year. Um, okay. I, I would imagine that he'll compete as a as a true freshman to, to start. If I'd imagine there'd be a, a, a quarterback who transfers in um, from somewhere that, that's like a fifth-year guy that's, that would also compete. Like They're, they're not like – by no means are they done. They will, they will be adding a bunch of people between now and camp. All right, thanks. That was fun. Talk to you later. Thank you, Scott. Good talking to you. Always enjoy it. Good luck with your parking pass Tuesday, Tommy. <laughs> Quick word about Farish Chrysler Dodge Jeep in Fairfax. If you're considering a Chrysler, a Dodge, a Jeep, consider Farish. They're right there in the heart of Fairfax and Fairfax Circle. Ralph Perkins is the general manager, runs the dealership. Ask for Ralph when you get there. Please do that because Ralph is a great guy and he's a friend of mine and he's going to really take care of you if you head out there. Um, You can also find out everything they have before heading out there. Uh, at uh, at FarishCars.com. Their live inventory, live pricing, all of their best deals. Uh, they've got very good rebates right now, as high as they've been all year long. Tons of inventory on the lot. The Jeep Cherokee, Grand Cherokee, Jeep Wrangler, all great deals, perhaps the best deals they've had all year on all three of those vehicles. Same goes for the Ram pickup. They've got a used car lot if you're thinking about something used. They've also got a Subaru dealership if you're thinking about a Subaru. But if you're thinking about something new and you're thinking about a a Jeep Grand Cherokee, those are great vehicles, or a Wrangler, um, give Farish a shot. I promise you will get a great deal. You'll get taken care of. Their service department is the best. Mark is is a he does a great job running their service department. You never wait when you bring it in to to have the vehicle serviced. Um, they're just really good guys, and they'll take good care of you. FarishCars.com for everything you need to know right now. And if you head out to uh, Farish and Fairfax, just ask for Ralph Perkins and tell him I told you to call. Uh, okay, what's the latest on Bryce Harper? The Giants? That's the latest rumor on him? Yeah, he's uh, met with the Giants. Uh, Henry Shulman, who covers the team long time for the San, Fran- San Francisco Chronicle, said that supposedly the meeting went well. They're probably going to have another meeting. Uh, and, uh, you know, Harper supposedly asked a lot of questions about the organization in the meeting including a lot of questions about their farm system and and things like that, indicating that that's the kind of thing he's he's looking at long-term with some of these organizations. Well, which, don't the Padres have a much better situation farm well, that, system-wise? That's what they say, but I think they have an idiot for a general manager. Okay. So I just think that, you know, I just think if he if he signs with the Padres, he might as well en- enroll in the Federal Witness Protection Program. So, and, and again... Uh, if if he cares about an organization and how it how it's run, he's not going to find probably a better situation than the Nationals, which is the one he's most familiar with. I know he has a lot of confidence and likes Mike Rizzo. Uh, now I've maintained all along, not all along, but of late, that I think the Nationals uh, now probably have the best shot. Only because I don't think he's getting a four hundred million dollar contract, and let's if we say if he gets a three hundred fifty million dollar offer for ten years, 
I think the Nationals will get back into it. Now, Jesse Doherty, who covers the Nationals for the Washington Post, said, keeps saying that the $300 million the Nats offered Harper before free agency started is off the table. Which which offer? The $300 million. Really? He says it's off the table. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know where that's coming from. Maybe... I mean, maybe I've missed something. Uh, I remember carefully reading what Mark... If that's Mark... true, then they don't want him. No. I no. mean, to me, if if they if that offer's been pulled or the, or there's an offer out there for significantly less, it really would be an indication yeah. that, if... either, that, that either Harper really played his hand poorly, that Boris and, and Harper played it poorly, or that the Nats really would just prefer he signs if, elsewhere. If they pull that and they're not interested in revisiting it, then yeah, then then it's clear that they didn't want him. Uh, I I don't know where that's coming from. Uh, I I don't think I've read anywhere that that's factual. I don't think the Nationals have said that. Um, I think Mark Lerner's comments, when you go back and read it, have been more like they expect Harper by the time he gets his final offer. I think initially they expected him to get so much more than the $300 million the Nats offered, that they would probably not likely be back in the game. Boy, he should have just taken that $300 million offer now, right? Well, I don't know. Look, I don't uh, underestimate Boris's ability to get his guy what he wants. Okay. I mean, you know, so, I mean, I'm never going to bet against Scott Boris. Doesn't seem to be going exactly the way they planned it. Well, again, it's hard to have a, a record bidding war where the three biggest spenders – the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Dodgers aren't aren't taking part. Right, it's kind of hard to do that. You got to you got to do what Boris is kind of doing is manufacture something, manufacture a bidding war, and Boris is doing that right now. He's doing exactly that thing. I know, but it's not the bidding. It's not the price bidding war that he anticipated. It isn't the somebody's offering four twenty five, no. somebody's no, offering four fourteen, and somebody's offering four oh three. Now, all, all that said. Nobody knows anything about the Bryce Harper stuff. Is that just because you don't know anything? No. Read the the stuff that's out there. (laughs) I'm kidding. You read the stuff that's out there. I know. I mean, I just heard Tyler Kempner uh, from the New York Times on on with the junkies this morning coming in. Who? Uh, Tyler Kempner. Who's that? He's a baseball writer for the New York Times. Okay. And basically he he said, "I, I have no idea what's going on. And that's pretty much everybody. And anyone who pretends otherwise is lying to you. Like Jim Bowden, the fraud, the liar Bowden, who <laughs> says, oh, there's all these mystery teams involved. That's a real stretch. You know, saying all the, I can't name any of them, but there's all these mystery teams. Nobody really knows what's happening at this point. Well, it's February 7th. Here's the one thing that I would guess most people know. It's going to be over in two weeks or less. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Um, I mean, we're talking about spring training. It's 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 not like know, Bryce Harper can't walk right. in off the street True. And, and start working out. And then there's the whole school of thought all along. But don't you want Harper? Don't you want? Don't you think the team that ends up signing him, if it's a new team, not the Nationals, want to benefit from having Bryce Harper at spring training, wherever it is, and then ready for the season when it starts and the hype machine. To, to to really build up, hey, we've got Bryce Harper. We're I mean, the the team would benefit, whichever team that is, by getting it done sooner Look, rather than I later. mean, spring training gets old fast. They'll have enough time. 
I mean, the season doesn't start till the end of March. I know, but it's actually kind of fun. I've done some spring training. Not, I haven't gone down with the specific reason of going to Florida or being in Arizona right. to go to spring training games, but I've been in Florida and in Arizona during spring training time oh, yeah. spring and gone to a great. game and gone to a game, and it's actually kind of fun. It's absolutely a lot of fun. Yeah. It's, it's even more fun to cover it. Uh, did you see the story um, that uh, came out about Major League Baseball and the Players Association discussing potentially pretty significant changes to the game? Here are some of the uh, apparent rules changes that are being considered. A three-batter minimum for pitchers, unless you're at the end of an inning or an injury. Right. Uh, a universal designated hitter, meaning in both leagues. Yes. Um, you want to take these one at a time? Why yeah. don't, give, give me give, give me universal designated hitter. That's probably the highlight out of all these. What, what do you make about the National well, League and and a DH? Look, it's it's never going to step back. In other words, it either the National League is going to adopt the DH or it's going to continue the way it is. It's never going to be the American League is going to get rid of the of DH. You know, but but I don't know why it shouldn't be. Do you have a view? I mean, that would be a universal system. Do you have if a you view? you had no DH. I understand that, but that's, as you just said, that, that, that horse that's left not gonna the barn, happen. you know, many, many years ago. Right. Do you have a personal preference? I'd rather not see the DH. I, th- I think I think it offers more strategy for managing. I do, too. With, without the DH. But I'm not, I'm not a religious zealot about okay. it. Okay. You know, it- that said, you can't implement that this year. I mean, teams have built their rosters in the National League. Not planning on having a full time DH. Now you can't tell them six, you know, I don't think they, two months before. Well, there they are. They're talking about that. That's the word is that it could be an instant. Yeah, it's uh, only baseball. That's They'll insane. Figure it out. <laughs> what about the three batter minimum for pitchers? I anything to to reduce the uh, elevation of the relief pitcher as a star in the game is fine with me. They need to get their hands. Around pitching changes, but the three batter minimum for pitchers is also an effort to speed the game up, right? It's so you a, don't have as many pitching changes. Yes, which right? I think is good. Uh, but by the way, a big part of strategy in the National League without a designated hitter is a lot of pitching changes. Yeah, I get that, but but there's some pitching changes that have nothing to do with right. with, with with any of that. I mean, uh, Tony Larusa ruined the game for a lot of people. Uh, by by visiting the mound six times in a nine inning game. What about a twenty second pitch clock? Uh, the reality is, I just want to see baseball stay the way it is. <laughs> okay, just yeah. leave everything alone. You know what? If it's too long for you, then don't watch. You know, I agree with you, I, and I be, and I think it's very hard. I know this having younger, you know kids than you've had over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. I know how hard it is for younger, you know, younger generations to really, when I say enjoy baseball, enjoy the game of baseball. They enjoy being at a park from a social standpoint, you know, during the summer. It's and the best of, of all the sporting events. Might be. It's the most social because it's outdoors in the summer. It, but but a lot of the people that are there are not actually really involved right. in pitch-by-pitch, batter-by-batter, inning-by-inning game You results. can have conversations during right. a baseball exactly. game with people. Um, so speeding it up, by the way, you're, you're not talking about significant savings, I don't think. I, I'm with you. None of this stuff really matters to me. 
Um, the, the the number of pitching changes to me gets really tedious. Yes. When you bring in, you know, lefty to face the right kind of batter in the right situation, and then because the next guy is coming up and you got another guy, and, you know, that, that gets old and gets tiresome. Um, you know, the only thing worse than that is the debate over pitching changes. The only thing worse than the changes are all the genius managers sitting at home <laughs> who are convinced – they would have used this guy out of the bullpen, not that guy. Well, and that changed the whole game, and that's the whole reason a team lost the game because of the wrong pitching change by the manager. Right. I'm more sick of that than the actual change. Well, I think I think that there are, there are definite similarities between the argument that we had about the end of the Saints game. You, and I know this about you, and this is what was frustrating the other day, is you when it comes to in-game strategy stuff. That's not your thing. You are brilliant at everything else about franchises and personalities and how things should be run. But when it comes to in-game strategy, it bothers you when other people have strong opinions well, about it. No, what bothers because you me, would prefer those people to be wrong and completely incapable uh, of, of having an opinion well, about that. Well, they usually are. Example, you. But I want this conversation to end right now. Okay. But anyway. Um, because you're wrong. My issue is people declaring that they know what's right without all the facts and information. Okay. Um, were there any of, of these other things, a, a single trade deadline before the All-Star break um, instead of after the All-Star break, which it is now, Right, because it's July thirty first every year. Uh, yeah, I think they should push the trading deadline back more. Uh, it, past or past was, July. 31st. Was that what it was, or was it that there's going to be just a single trade deadline? There's none of this post trade deadline. Trades. No, it's it, they want it to happen before the All Star break. I don't too. know what that does. Um, the expansion weird. of rosters to twenty six with a twelve pitcher maximum. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, no draft advantages for winning teams and penalties for losing teams. That's sort of the opposite of the way drafts well, usually work, I know, isn't but, it? Well, they're trying to they're they're trying to fight the tanking, tanking syndrome. Yeah, um, a study to a to lower the mound. You know, I mean, they raised the mound in 1968, right? Uh, and there's some people in baseball who don't think it's a coincidence that Tommy John injuries or the elbow injuries seem to really start happening after they raised the mound. Uh, it's pitching such an inexact science. I don't know if again. I just want to. I want them to keep it the way it is. <laughs> well, Simple as the, that. The latest rumor of what they were talking about, not just that, but possibly moving the mound back. Mm. If you move the mound back, would a shift be more beneficial or less beneficial? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, a couple of other things I wanted to get to uh, real quickly before we end the show. Um, mention this briefly with Scott, but last night, you know, if you're paying attention to the games and most people aren't right now, cause it's all about the trade deadline, the Warriors hung 141 on the Spurs. All right. Spurs are, you know, having now a, a decent season after yes, not a great start, but anyway, 42 assists on 55 made shots. That's incredible. It really is for them. Um, and then there's James Harden, Tommy, whose streak now is 28 games of 30 or more points, trailing only Chamberlain's two streaks of 65 games in 61-62, and then had another one in 62 of 31 points. And 
The big difference, of course, is that James Harden, I would like to know what the unassisted points were for Wilt in those stretches. They yeah. had to be m- many more assisted buckets than yeah. Harden. Because you would think so, unless a lot of them were uh, offensive off of rebounds. Offensive rebounds, and he had a lot of those because yeah. shooting percentages were were not the same. But um, it's really an incredible streak. You know, I find myself going back and forth as to whether or not I really enjoy watching him play. I enjoy the skill level, which is ridiculously high. And, you know, back to what we were talking about with Scott, the big difference in the NBA, you're right, it's a different game than the game you loved, which was a half-court game without the three-point shot. And, you know, you worked inside-outside. You know, you went inside, and then, you know, if Rick Barry ended up being the recipient of a Clifford Ray bounce-out pass, you you know, he knocked down a mid-range jumper. And you love that. Um, but the skill level of these players, the evolution of, of the this skill is really unbelievable. And I've you and I have had this conversation many times before. The, it's the range in which they shoot threes. It's not just the three-pointers. It's the fact that they shoot them four, five, sometimes six, seven feet beyond the line, which creates a completely different basketball floor in terms of the spacing. And makes it so much easier that there's so much room in the middle to drive by or to make a pass to the middle. It's just a different game to watch. But the skill level of Harden, I find mesmerizing. But at the same time, I hate the one-touch possessions. You know what I think is mesmerizing about Harden? This may seem kind of weird. He's a left-handed shooter. I mean, to me, I think a left-handed batter is... It's more interesting to watch than a right-handed batter. The swing is prettier. I think a left-handed quarterback throws a better ball, more more of a prettier ball, more of a spiral than than a right-handed quarterback. And I think a left-handed shooter, just watching them shoot, it's just it's just more aesthetically pleasing. That's funny. You've said that before. I remember, and you're not the only person that says that. Um, I don't. I don't. I know what you're saying. It looks it looks prettier, but a great shooter is a great shooter. Yes, I know that. Steph Curry, Reggie Miller, to me, had some of just... I loved watching Reggie Miller play because not only did he have a beautiful stroke, he had the quickest release and moved so well without the ball. There are a lot of reasons I loved him. But some of your favorite players, you know, Willis Reed, yes. Dave Cowens, yes. right, were left-handed Lefties. players. Yeah. And look, at a quarterback, Kenny Stabler. Oh, Stabler was beautiful yeah, to watch. Steve Young. Steve Young. You know, I yeah. mean, the beautiful spirals. Yeah, I'm just trying to think, you know, uh, in terms of... You know, one of our favorite quarterbacks of all time, Jim Zorn. <laughs> Stay medium. <laughs> um, you know, over, like, in recent years, in terms of great left-handed... I, I, I will tell you that, to me, the greatest left-handed ball handler that I've ever watched in college was Kenny Anderson at yes. Georgia Tech. Oh, yeah. He was a brilliant ball handler and a good ball handler in the NBA, too. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, in recent years, in terms of like a big guy, you know, Zach Randolph as a left-hander was fun to watch. Chris Mullen had a, you know, had one of those beautiful left-handed, you know, shots. Um, But yeah, I I, I know what you're saying. I, I just, I, I, I go back and forth on Harden. There are times when I'm watching, I'm like, this is just painful. The other four players are just standing and watching. You know, they're not, it, there's no, they're, they're, it's, it's all Harden, one-on-one, and if they come double, he might give it up. 
But then again, he might not give it up. <laughs> but his skill level is incredible. He also has benefited. There's no doubt. Like I was watching the highlights of last night. You know, the 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 step back stuff where he shuffles his feet before and just gets away with stuff that, you know, players back in the day, right-handed or left-handed, wouldn't get away with. You know, uh, he... Like, Bird had the, the step back, which was probably a travel off the hard dribble towards, you know, the bucket and then the gathering himself and taking that left foot and stepping back and getting behind, you know, the line. But anyway, I you know what? I, 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 I was just looking it up because I thought he was a lefty, but I was 100% sure. I know sure. who you're going to say. No, you don't. Bob Lanier. Well, he is, but that's not who I was going to okay. say. Nate Archibald. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I, I, for, I, I wasn't I re- 100% sure. Yeah, no, I, I totally remember like a him. A player who led the league in points and assists. Oh, yeah. Tremendous uh, ball t- player. Tiny Archibald was a great player. Yes. And really only had a chance to play on a couple of good teams with the Celtics at the yeah. end of his career, right? Yes. But not a championship team, am I right? I don't think Tiny won a title. I don't know if Was he Tiny on a team with Bird at the very end? I don't think so. Um. I don't. I mean, because remember, he had a lot of his career, like in Kansas with City, with the Kings. Yeah. With the Kings. Yeah, he may have been on one of those very final, uh, you know, on on the very early Bird teams. I want to look that up because I want to make sure that I've got the answer on that. Uh, but yeah, I knew, I remembered that Bob Lanier was was a left hander as well. Uh, and David Robinson yeah. was a left hand. Yeah, Arch, Archibald won his won an NBA title in that 80, 80, 81 season with Bird. Okay. When Bird won it in his second year, after Magic won it in his first year, um, I, you know, I'm just trying to check to see how significant he. A you know who was a left hander? He he averaged on that. My fault, because um, I sort of remember these teams. I mean, I remember ML Carr and I remember Gerald Henderson and I, re- yeah. you know, uh, but he averaged on the 80-81 team that won the title. Uh, Archibald averaged 13 points and seven assists a game. You play in 35 minutes. He it was obviously the starting point guard on that team. You know who I should have known was a left-hander, but it never would have occurred to me. Bill Russell. Bill Russell was left-handed. Yeah, I I don't remember Bill Russell watching Bill Russell, but I remember I certainly remember. Um, Red Auerbach coming to Morgan Wooten and Joe Gallagher's basketball camp every summer as a as a speaker and talking about Bill Russell as a left-hander. Yeah. yeah, I do remember that. So that's I mean I think uh, part of the reason I, I like watching James Harden is because of that of that style that left-handed shooting style. You know the, those first two or three Bird teams, Nate Archibald was a big part of it. Okay. You know with ML Carr with uh, Gerald Henderson with Cornbread, Cornbread Maxwell, Maxwell, Kevin McHale, you know, c- came, yeah. um, and then Parrish and Rick Roby, who was a backup center to Parrish. It's weird that I didn't remember right off the top that that Archibald was a big part of that uh, because really that team that won it in '81, they beat the Rockets. Remember yeah. uh, the Calvin Murphy Rockets in in the NBA Finals after beating the Sixers in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. That was Bird's team, man. Yeah. You know, and and uh, Cedric Maxwell, Cornbread ba- Maxwell, he was the MVP, I, was the MVP of, yeah. of those finals. I, I remember. He played I, great. Right. Played great. Um, anyway, uh, the other thing I just wanted to mention before we left, because I did not mention it earlier. Do you know who's got a pretty decent basketball team locally? Oh. Georgetown. 
Yes. They are not a bad team. They, uh, Aaron, you are following Georgetown because you go to a lot of their games more than, than I am. They beat Providence last night, which means they swept Providence. And I know Providence isn't that great this year. But I think Georgetown right now is tied for third in the Big East. Do, yeah. they, they, they are definitely an NIT team. Are getting really close they're, to they're, being. A, they're in the con, in the mix for the NIT. Okay, absolutely. my question is because I looked at their schedule last night. They still have Villanova left. They Got still Butler ha- on Saturday. They still have Marquette left. Yeah. They still have Seton Hall twice, and Seton Hall's had a decent team. They play Creighton. Could they make a run and be a, a bubble team over the next month? I they've got. They'd have to win multiple games. They're not expected to. There would be sentiment, I'll bet you, to put a Patrick Ewing coach team in. Well, right they're, now, they're, the they're Big East looks like a two-bid league. Right. Their non-conference schedule That's is the so bad that they probably they, – honestly, they probably have to win the tournament to make it. They, barring a ridiculous run well, where they're be, winning. If, if they end up with wins over Villanova and Marquette and, you know – That's right. It would have to be a ridiculous run down the okay. stretch to, yeah. to make up for that bad non-conference. Right now, how many teams from the Big East are projected? I'm just curious. I would say two no more three. than two. Two right? or three, yeah. Who would be? Who's the third? Creighton. Yeah. Just think, Kevin. Yeah. Remember when you used to pound your chest about the ACC versus the Big East? Mm-hmm. Can't do that anymore, can you? No, I because I, the ACC is not your conference, is it? It's not my conference, no. and the Big Ten is my conference, and the Big Ten <laughs> is the best conference in basketball this year. It is the best, top to bottom, and it will more likely than end up with the most tournament teams, although. I would have to think that Nebraska is slipping out of this thing. They were like a tournament team, and the metrics loved them. You know, the you know RPI and the college basketball net stuff loved uh, Nebraska. Isn't Scott that mentioned. exciting? The Big Ten with all those teams—that's that's that's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. They're my league. What do you want yeah. me to say? Anyway, St. John's also in the mix. St. John's is in the mix. Yes. Yes. Well, they they had a big win at, at yes. Marquette the other yes, day. Wasn't exactly. that win at Marquette? I think so. Yeah. Shamori Pons is—he's yeah. a first-round pick. Probably. He's a really, really good player. Um, but, yeah, uh, the Big Ten in the other league that's actually having a really good year is the SEC. Well, they got yeah. a lot of teams that are going to end up in, in the draw, I think. Big 12 also, right? Big uh, Big 12 doesn't have the ceiling as some of the as the SEC or the Big Ten, but, yeah. Um, I, I'll start getting into this much more uh, in more detail here. The thing that I am rooting for is for Maryland to make a nice run here at the end of the season, have a good Big Ten tournament, and end up as a top four seed in the East region, which would that would then mean the possibility would exist having a Sweet Sixteen game at Capital One Arena with Maryland involved. That would be great. <laughs> that would be off the charts. Yes, it would. Uh, they want to. By the way, if they want to sell out that building for, yes. for the for the regionals, get Maryland into the Sweet Sixteen. There, of course, they would have to win two games somewhere else, and uh, they have deep into the tournament capability talent that's the difference between this team and some of the other teams I don't I think this is clearly his best chance to make a deep run even though many of uh, many people would say that Mellow's uh, the Mellow team with Diamond Stone and Rashad Suleiman and and um and and uh and and Robert Carter uh, I always Jr. thought that was a disappointing team it was disappointing it was clearly dysfunctional Diamond Stone all he was thinking about was the NBA uh I think uh, you know uh Carter Jr. was thinking about a lot of that stuff too. This team, this team has from the beginning of the season, Tommy. I told you, 
Very few teams have two 6'10", 6'11", guys that are as versatile as Bruno Fernando and Jalen Smith, who was awesome last night for the first time in several games. Anything else? I think that's it, boss. <laughs> Stop calling me boss. <laughs> uh, we didn't do the McShay. The McShay oh, 2.0. Let's, no, let's pass. <laughs> no, I'm just going to tell you right pass. now. So McShay's 2.0 came out, and he's got the Redskins at 15, taking Marquise Brown, the wide receiver from Oklahoma, because Kyler Murray – goes 13 to the Dolphins, uh, and Dwayne Haskins goes 6 to the Giants. So he's only got two quarterbacks going before the Redskins at 15, but he's got Murray as the second quarterback to Miami, uh, and he's got the other quarterbacks uh, going uh, later. He doesn't have them. I'm sure fans would love another first-round wide receiver. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly, especially uh, one from Oklahoma. Uh, I think well, we don't worry. The Redskins that. will trade up to get Kyler Murray. They might. They might. Okay, I'm done with you. Aaron did a great job. Scott was on the show. Thanks to him. Enjoy the day.